Welcome to the Hacking Your Health podcast with Ben Kenning and Dave Kennedy. Two guys heading out to hack body, mind, business, and beyond. We are here to provide a single source, bullshit-free guide to understanding your body and how you can live better for longer. Welcome back. I'm Ben Canning. And I'm Dave Kennedy. <laughs> Did you forget you were here? <laughs> I was like, wait, we're starting right now? Okay. <laughs> Who am I? And this is Hacking Your Health Podcast. Rock so what's up? M&M, huh? Yeah, we think. Good shirt. I, uh, I dig M&M. He's good. Yeah. Absolutely. I got caught up. I didn't know if you, knew, if you noticed this, and this is for anybody. If you are on the artist's profile on Spotify, it tells you like loads of stuff. So like when they're playing when they're releasing new stuff and then merch. So obviously I was like, Ooh, t-shirts. And then, yeah, exactly. So that's how I've ended up here. No, I'm doing good, man. Uh, well, I, I'm a little bit beat up. I, uh, got in a car wreck, uh, two days ago. So that was, uh, my, my first actual car accident that I've ever been in. Uh, so that was kind of interesting, but, uh, my fault I was driving in this is actually a completely, uh, vacant parking lot. There's nothing there. And then there was a, a parking lot to the left that I was trying to get to, and you had to kind of cut over, and there was a guy basically cutting all through traffic, and I was focused on him, and my blind spot was this big-ass light pole that I basically ran into going 25 miles an hour that I didn't, I just didn't see it. Like, it was literally right in a perfect blind spot as I'm trying to hook left a little bit while this guy's coming left. It was like a perfect uh, circle of events. Did but, the other uh, guy stop? Yeah, he stopped and came out. He's like, are you all right? You're all right? Like, yeah, so it was a super nice guy. Um and uh, it wasn't his fault, you know, he was just yeah, trying yeah. to get, you know, out. And the, the parking, that's really weird because there's, like, no exit there. And so you have to, like, kind of cut through, like, other places. So, um, anyways, I, uh, I I got beat up uh, fairly decently in the arms, uh, so in uh, my legs and in a few other places. My car is jacked up. Uh, but I am I am but, good, which is the best part about it. Thankfully, it wasn't a protein shake. It wasn't a protein shake. So if you look that at the, so bad. Like, if you look at the car wreck picture, I had just gotten, to, I had just gone to Starbucks, uh, literally like three minutes before, and I had one sip of my Grande Flat White Latte, um, and I'm holding it in my hand, and I'm driving, and I'm paying attention to this guy to the left, and I'm not, I'm not distracted. I'm like literally aware of everything that's going on around me. And then I hit this damn pole at 25 miles an hour, and the coffee goes everywhere. I mean, it went everywhere. It's all over the windshield, the dash, inside the dash. It is everywhere. So that's going to be milk that's going to be sitting there for months, uh, rotting in well, the hot sun. That that was my point about the protein. Like, if you've ever written the protein shaker, yes. it has, like, yes. like, can you imagine that at that scale in your car? Yes. Like, that's, yeah, that it's would not make gonna be the good. car, that would yeah. take the car right off the freaking smell. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I'm you're not... okay. I know it's a serious matter, but I'm just Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, I got it. You know, if you, on the thing, I got a little, a nice little gash here, and then my uh, my hand got smashed, and then my leg got uh, uh, rocked. But I'm, I'm pretty sure because of all the weight that I lifted, I didn't get as hurt. Um, so... You know, the muscles definitely uh, took a little bit of the brunt, and I was a little bit sore afterwards. But I got my lift in today, took a day off yesterday just to make sure I was okay and, you know, didn't have any concussions or anything stupid like that. But uh, not stupid. I mean, it would obviously would have sucked if I had a concussion. But it makes sure I didn't hurt myself being stupid lifting afterwards. So took a day off and uh, back at it and uh, did some some great rack pulls today and some back exercises and feeling swollen right now. It's good. Good, good. I think the uh, – so what you're saying is lifting weights helps in all areas of life. 
That's right. Including getting in car accidents, apparently. So <laughs> I don't Thanks, recommend that, by the way. Don't recommend that. <laughs> <laughs> we're, not, we're not recommending car accidents. Mm-mm. That's good. I'm glad you're okay. I'm glad How are you? Okay. That's cool. Uh, yeah, I'm actually really good. I have had a bit of a funny week because I'm trying to plan stuff that I don't usually do. So I've been planning my next trip over for in real life coaching. Um, I'll tell you one thing, it's hard to plan to organize like a big group of people in a city that you've never been to. Shout out to Daniel for being my like resident in Nashville, (laughs) but like, see, trying to organize like, right, we'll be here. We'll do this and actually make decisions for a group of people. Shit show wouldn't recommend. Yeah. Uh, aside from that, trying to build out what will be the, the new group coaching model, um, which I'm really excited for. I think it'd be cool. Uh, I've been on a couple of like coaching courses and seminars. I've, had, I've been up to a lot. I've been doing a lot. That's awesome, man. You know, it's cool that you're always continuously kind of like progressing and always adding on and learning more. And, you know, you, you were obviously gone this last weekend, uh, learning, uh, more about, you know, how to how to screw your muscles up even more. Um, but it's that, it's that continual learning, right? We don't know everything. There's always things to learn. There's new advancements. There's new ways of doing things. And, uh, you know, you're always cutting, you know, a cutting edge on all of that and trying to, you know, do as best you possibly can to help people out. It's really awesome. Yeah. The thing about, so it was a biomechanics, um, weekend last weekend in Birmingham. And it's about how you, it's about understanding how your body moves and how you can optimize or maximize what you're doing when it comes to training. And like the, the more I get into it, the, the less that I know, like it is yeah. such a, isn't that crazy? Ra- it yeah. is such a deep ra- I was like, I've been training for like eight years and I don't know any of this shit. This is like, <laughs> it's a bit like, oh shit. But it's also like, how much more do I have to go? Do you know how to be able to make the progress yeah. that I have now with this stuff? Now it's not for everybody and it's not something that I'm going to use quite regularly because it's a lot of like scientific, it's a lot of like talking about graphs and talking about, you know, fractions and equations, which isn't exciting for a lot of people, especially when it comes to training. But it did really, I was talking to Jock uh, yesterday, I think, and he was describing something about how he was feeling his triceps in a certain movement. And I was like, are you doing it like this? And I was able to pinpoint exactly what he was feeling and why he was feeling it. So I've been able to sort of take the things that I was learning at the weekend and actually use it to understand where people are sort of not going wrong, but where you could potentially improve to make sure you're getting a good connection with the muscle that you're trying to get. It was very good. It was very cool. And the voice that I sent you, you could probably tell me how excited I was. You were, you were really excited. Like, (laughs) this is so cool. You know, you know, it was, it was awesome. Yeah, it's great. But it's good. And it's like, it's, it's the sort of stuff that we'll do whenever I'm over there, but it's, it's just about, I want to say this in the, you know, hear me the right way on this. It's about how can we fuck you up even more, but not yeah. fuck you up in a, in a negative way. Like how can we fuck you up to the point where it's an enjoyable experience, if that's yeah. a true thing, but you get the most from each exercise, like matching strength profiles and machines to our resistance profile machines to strength profile your muscle, like stuff like we've done with the band and stuff before, but at a whole different scale. Well, you know, it's all about optimization, right? And how do you tackle yeah. your muscles in a different way to fatigue them so that you can experience muscle hypertrophy or strength growth or whatever else from the fast twitch, uh, uh, slow twitch fibers uh, in your muscles. And what's interesting is, uh, you know, when you when you get to, like, optimization, you know, it's more than just going in and doing a workout. You're like, hey, how can I do this exercise in a different way that allows me to you know, tackle my muscle in a different way that maybe it hasn't done it before, uh, you know, challenge that muscle in a certain way. And there, I was just listening to, and I'm going to be mentioning Huberman very, very heavily this, this podcast. So everybody beware. I need to get a Huberman clip, uh, for the soundboard. Cause all yeah, I got is like, you know, do. good. 
you know, that's all I got for that. But uh, um, I'll have to get one before uh, the, the, the podcast ends or something. But uh, um, what's interesting with uh, the uh, uh, what Hebron was explaining on the mind muscle body connection, which a lot of people, you know, just think it's bro science where, you know, like, oh, what what is this, you know, mind muscle body connection? That's bullshit. You know, if you're tackling your muscle, you're tackling your muscle. There's actually like scientific evidence to show that you know, if you focus on your muscle, that connection between your mind and muscle, you actually have a 15% increase in muscle hypertrophy and growth um, with that muscle and exhaust it faster because you're you're really focusing on that muscle as you're going and doing that exercise. So that's why when you hear, you know, a lot of trainers, you hear a lot of bodybuilders talk about their mind-muscle body connection, it's a legit thing where, you know, you're focusing on that contraction as you, if you're doing a bench press, you're focusing on that contraction in your chest and making sure you're just pounding um, you know, those, those, those muscles as hard as you possibly can. And, um, you know, that's, that's an awesome thing that you're continuously trying to figure out ways to do it and, and, and have fun with it too. Like today is a good example. Um, I was doing pull day today and I absolutely love rack pull. So I always do those, but you know, I had this new, uh, it's called the bulldog from Sarnax, uh, which is a company that Jocko uses all the time. Good. Uh, and so uh, it's it's this this thing that uh, goes onto your your rack. If you're going to purchase it, make sure you have the really big bolt uh, uh, holes in your rack, uh, not the small ones. So if you have like a Rogue uh, Monster Light, it's not going to fit those holes. It's got to be the bigger holes. Luckily, my Rogue Rhino has the big holes on there. But um, it's just a, a like a small bench that you can lay down on, and you're you know you're, you're supporting yourself via your chest, and allows me to do some really good isolated rows um, as I'm going up, and I. And I, I can feel that mind-body connection as I'm going through and hitting those back muscles. And so, you know, what's great about the flexibility of understanding how your body works is that even though my programming that you programmed for me said, hey, you need to do um, landmine rows. I still did landmine rows, but I also did bulldog rows too because I was like, you know, I feel like doing land bulldog rows, you know. And being able to incorporate those or add new things or just try out different things uh, is what it's all about. And it's a lot of fun as you're going through and just figuring out, hey, how can you – you know, wreck your body in a different way that, 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 you know, challenges your muscles in a different way. Yeah. I think, I think the voice note that you sent me was, I was listening to Andrew Hubman and that thing that you were talking about, my muscles actually a thing as if you didn't believe me until, until Andrew Hubman told you that it was actually a thing. Yeah. But I think yeah. it's, it's, it's exactly <laughs> that. And that sort of ties into, to what I was doing at the weekend. Like the more that you can understand about how your body moves and about how machines work, the more that you can sort of play about with things yeah. and have fun with things fun if that's your thing but you know <laughs> about actually i think the biggest thing that i took away from it was it's how can you get the most from your training so you know a simple example that i'll talk about is and you'll know what i'm talking about in this <laughs> on a, a dumbbell lateral raise if you're stood like this and for anybody who's not watching i'm doing it and i'll probably look like a dick but if you stand like this whenever you have the dumbbell in your hand and the arm by your side your your shoulder's not doing anything it's easy like you could hold the dumbbell all day long as you bring the dumbbell out and further away, that's whenever it's most difficult. So you're most difficult whenever that's in the, the shortened range. The reason that that's not an optimal exercise is there's so much of the range that your shoulder's not really doing much work or it's strong in. So to get that, to, to optimize that, we would do as we do do cables because the cable yeah. has the resistance the, the whole way through. tension so we, as you're going up. Yeah. yeah. And if you don't have cables, the way that they described to do it was if you lie down like on a bench at like a 30 degree, your arm where the dumbbell is and your arm straight is actually the furthest away point there. So the tension comes from the bottom and it gets easier on the way up. So you mm -hmm. can challenge it in a slightly different way. So just understand that, which is cool for me because obviously everybody who comes to me has different equipment that they can train with. So knowing how I can maximize what they have 
versus just going, yeah, yeah, just do this. And it's not as efficient because I think, you know, as I sort of touched on before, if you're going to spend the time training, you want to be as efficient and as effective with it as possible. Yeah. And, um, one of the ones I saw recently was a preacher curl. Uh, I just, there's a Facebook site that I look at. It's just like form and technique of people doing like different exercises and things like that. Um, but someone was doing a, a hammer curl. Is that what you do in your spare time? It's pretty much what I do in my spare time. Uh, like, oh, that's a cool exercise. Um, but uh, he, you know, he's, his hand is over the preacher curl, and he's doing hammer curls with it. So it's isolating, but he's getting constant tension the entire time. I mean, you can just see, you know, the full rotation of his bicep as he's going up and down and just pounding that muscle, right? And, again, it's just really cool when he gets into those, those nitty-gritties that allows you to try different things, expand your, your horizons on different exercises. You're not just doing the exact same thing every single time. Um, you know, just neat stuff. I love it. Love it. Yeah. And I think the, the coolest thing about this, uh, I said this to you last week, the more muscle you build, the more leverage you have to build more muscle, which for some reason absolutely blows my mind. So you're talking about your bicep there, the, the deeper your bicep muscle is, the more leverage that you have coming from the tendons, so the more of an angle, so the, the better it is to build muscle because of the angle. So if you imagine the tendons come down straight from elbow to shoulder, it's going to be difficult because you don't have much leverage. The more leverage you have, the easier it becomes to build muscle. So technically, the more muscle that you have and the deeper, like the denser more muscle, the muscle you can build. belly, the more muscle you can build. I was like, this is blowing my mind. <laughs> you know, I feel like um, when I first started training, the, the muscle building process, I had like really quick strength gains, but like yeah. the, the size of the muscle wasn't a, a big thing. But I do feel like as I've progressed, you know, you're, you know, my muscles are starting to get bigger and bigger and bigger. I'm noticing that kind of change, which is nice. And so, you know, like I, I feel like I can continue to build muscle and, and, and much more muscle and get stronger and everything else. But it's a, it's at a faster rate, not slower rate that I would typically expect, you know? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, the, the sort of other side of the coin to that is whenever you're in that initial period, your body's in the best position to build muscle. So yes, it will slow down from that perspective, but then this sort of thing will come in as, you know, the leverage that you have. And if you can perform the exercises correct, will start to kick in and that's how you sort of optimize it. So what, like percentage wise, which is more, not really sure, but I just thought it was cool that you have that opportunity whenever you, the shape of your body starts to be more optimal to yeah. do the thing that you're doing. I just thought it was very cool. Yeah. And uh, so leading on to one quick topic that I wanted to cover that I thought was really interesting. And we, we, we talk about um, how we are against diets uh, uh, very often. And when we say we're against diets, uh, we're not against people that uh, have certain goals and objectives in mind and they use a framework to help them, right? Um, and I think that's important. But, but why we're against diets in general, the, what, what I would say the health culture has put into diets uh, is because they're not sustainable long-term and they don't allow you to um, hit your objectives and goals. If, you're, if your goal is just to lose 20 pounds, which it's not going to be, you're not going to be happy losing 20 pounds, um, you know, what, what does that mean? How do you sustain that long-term if that's what you want? Or how do you lose more weight? Or how do you build muscle? There's all of these things that you have to know in order to do a diet well and then come off of that diet into something that's sustainable. And so one of the really popular... Uh, and, and I use diets in, in quotation marks because it's not really a diet. It's it's kind of a framework, which I, I think is a good thing, um, around how you can eat. And we've talked about intermittent fasting before or feeding windows before in the past. And, um, you know, it got a lot of popularity because people would, were, would claim that this is kind of the holy grail for losing weight. And so all of the diet folks kind of came in and said, oh, yes, intermittent fasting. 
you know, it's the new way to lose weight. It's much more efficient at losing weight, um, keeping it off and losing more weight because your your body basically is optimizing itself, cleaning itself up, and then you're restricting how, how much you eat during a window. Now, I just want to be perfectly clear. I'm a huge fan of intermittent fasting. Uh, I use intermittent fasting often um, because uh, there's some really good health benefits, uh, digestive breaks, giving your your body time to not have to have to deal with continuous food digestion is, is awesome for you. There's some studies on um, mental acuity and uh, your body kind of ramping up from a energy perspective when you're in a, uh, a fasted state because, you know, uh, we've talked about this before, but, you know, in the caveman days, you know, when we had to go out and forage food uh, or if we had to protect our families, um, you know, we, we, if we were starving and we had no energy, we wouldn't be able to do that and we would just die off. So our bodies actually go kind of into an overdrive mode and become more mentally acute. Uh, we have you know, better uh, response responses, you know, more, more mental clarity, uh, ability to move faster, higher energy levels when we are in essentially a starved state. And, and so, you know, with that, uh, our body basically cleans up all of the toxins and all of the junk that we have in there and uses it as fuel, uh, you know, it rebuilds things stronger. So, there's some really good benefits uh, to intermittent fasting. And um, when I'm in a caloric deficit, uh, I typically always do intermittent fasting because it's much easier for me to hit my calorie goals if I, for example, skip breakfast, which is probably the, the biggest one that I, I, I can easily cut out without having any major issues. So I'll typically not eat until like 11 o'clock uh, in, the, in the morning. And then from there, my feeding window is usually from like 11 to like 7 or 8. And then that's the only times that I eat. And I usually have no problems being able to fit uh, my calories in. So that's a great framework to use if you're looking at caloric restrictions, you're looking at optimizing uh, your health and your digestive uh, digestive tracts. Um, but what's interesting is that the health industry was using it as a way of saying this is a much more advanced way to lose weight and that there's benefits to losing weight um, based off of intermittent fasting. And so there was just a recent study that came out uh, from the New England Journal of Medicine. Um, and basically, they they did 139 patients, both men and women, uh, and then they went through intermittent fasting, and they also did a study on um, intermittent fasting versus uh, caloric restriction. So caloric restriction being, you know, if your uh, total daily energy expenditure of what you burn from a calorie perspective is 2,000 calories, and they put you in a caloric restriction of, let's just say, 200 calories per day, and they did the same thing for somebody in intermittent fasting. They were, you know, 2,000 calories per day, went to 1,800, and they were doing intermittent fasting. What they found from a research perspective, uh, peer-reviewed, you know, studies – um, is that there is no added benefit for weight loss between intermittent fasting and caloric restriction, which means that basically, you know, the laws of thermodynamics, how we burn our, our calories, doesn't change on intermittent fasting. There isn't this magic, you know, secret recipe that our body is going to start burning more calories because we're in a fasted state. It's basically the exact same thing. So if you're using intermittent fasting because you think it's going to be um, better at losing weight, um, that's not the case, and it's not going to be a diet that provides added additional weight loss. But again, I want to emphasize there are a lot of great things that that come from intermittent fasting. Um, on top, or, but weight loss not being one of those. Now, when I say weight loss not being one of those, it doesn't mean that you won't lose weight on intermittent fasting. You know, again, if you're doing a feeding window and you're only eating between eleven and seven, and you normally would eat three thousand calories a day, and you only eat two thousand calories a day, and your total total daily energy expenditure of calories that you use is twenty five hundred calories you're going to lose weight because you're not eating as much calories as you normally would consume during the day. So, you know, you can absolutely lose weight on intermittent fasting. A lot of people find uh, that to be very successful for them in a framework that they can live by and kind of move towards. So I'm not saying don't do it, but if you're looking at this magic secret, super awesome pill, that's going to 
you know, lose your weight intermittent fasting is that it's not, it's not actually that the, 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 di- the, the whole diet fad and all that was all, it was a total bullshit hype train as usual. And uh, we continue to see that with every single diet that's out there. I agree. I think the thing for me about that, the reason that I don't like them as such are because they are too restrictive. They're not sustainable. They don't actually really explain to people how they work or why they work. And people just do them because a celebrity's do them or the internet has told them or whatever. As you said, though, if you can build out a framework that will allow you to manage your calories, that is probably what you need, whether that is keto, whether that yes. is intermittent fasting, whatever, Paleo, anything, whatever, you know, anything that you look at, carb only diet, you know, it's just <laughs> fucking grapefruit diet, egg diet, every, every kind of diet ever. But the thing about it is like, if you look at them fundamentally, the one thing that they, they have in common is if you do them correctly, they will restrict your calories in some way. So whether that is from a time perspective or whether that is keto, cause you take out an entire macronutrient source, there will be some sort of restriction in that that will sort of get you to eat less calories. Now, I'm also a big fan of intermittent fasting. I, I'm doing it at the minute-ish um, because my calories are relatively low. Same thing that you're saying. I just put my fir- push my first meal back to later on in the day. And the benefits that I find are, well, I know that I prefer more calories in the evening because it's yep. just the way that I'm built. I can, I can get away with the morning of not really eating. And the thing that you're talking about, like cognitive function and energy, the way that I would look at that, it is the, your body, there's no, um, your body's not expending any energy or there's no blood being used in your digestive system because you haven't eaten anything. So you have more available to whatever it is that you're doing. So I find that I'm more productive in the mornings. Now I'm not saying that I'm doing intermittent fasting and that's the only way that I'm losing weight. It's because I'm managing my calories. So it's a way that allows me to restrict my calories within that window. I know, and this goes for like keto and other diets as well. People think, oh, if I only eat protein and fats, I'll lose weight. Or if I only eat between 12 o'clock and eight o'clock, I'll lose weight. Essentially, there are the quote unquote rules. But if you eat like a fucking asshole between 12 and eight, and you eat 5,000 calories, you're not going to lose weight. If you eat 5,000 calories of protein and fats, you're not going to lose weight. So that's what I mean about having the framework and understand how it works and how it restricts calories and you can use it. And the same idea even with keto, like my first meal of the day is protein and fats. It doesn't mean that I do intermittent fasting, then I do keto, and then I'm on a different kind of diet. It's tools. Just stop zooming your face <laughs> out of the screen. <laughs> It's tools that I can use and put together for things that I know work for me. And anytime I have a, a discovery call with a client or an onboarding call, that's what I try and get. Like I've been very open and honest. It's like, I don't have a, a program as such to sell you. I don't have a, you're going to fit into this box because this is what you told me, or this is the way that your life is. It's literally a case of, right, what are you doing right now? Where's your baseline and what can we do to improve? And we just try like different things so that you can build a structure and a framework that suits you and also have those tools. So again, like you're talking about intermittent fasting, if I'm in a calorie surplus, I don't do it because trying to fit that amount of calories in a shit window is a shit too. Yeah. So I will eat breakfast and I will spread my meals throughout the day, but I know that it's something that I can pull on whenever my calories are restricted. And, you know, you know, I think what everybody struggles with, uh, including myself is, is food, right? We, we get addicted to food. We, food is something that, you know, becomes a luxury for us. We've talked about this a lot on the podcast previously, but you know, the, the availability of food, um, in this country, regardless if you are low income to high income is readily available essentially to anybody at any time. 
And, uh, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing. You, you don't see uh, underweight homeless folks typically because the food is readily available. And high-caloric uh, food that absolutely is not healthy for you um, is readily available, right? And so we've never had that in the history of the human species. Like, we, we've always had to forge for food. We always had to look for food. A lot of us starved and died because there was no food. We had to move and migrate in our tribes to different locations for food because we maybe became overpopulated and needed different areas that we had, had taken from. And so food is is something that we enjoy a luxury of, and there is no limits. And it's actually a, a, an issue for us because these foods that we have, you know, that are readily available, our bodies want. And they're delicious, and they're awesome, and we want more of them, and we want more of them, and our bodies crave more, and then we want more, and then more. I've struggled with obesity my whole life. And, again, if you're at a weight where you're, you know, you're overweight and you're comfortable with that, absolutely fantastic for you. That's that's awesome. You know, be happy of who you are and where you're at. But, you know, if you're looking at how, how do I create, you know, uh, curve my cravings that I have because my mind is telling me I still need to eat, but I, I typically don't, I think these types of frameworks are are absolutely essential for you because, you know, it allows you to put some discipline in place to say, you know, okay, I can only eat 2,000 calories. And you know what? In the morning, I'm not so hungry. So I'm not going to eat in the mornings. I'm going to eat in the afternoons. Um, and I'm only going to eat 2,000 calories. And once I go past that, I'm done. And I know that. And I tell my mind, listen, I'm done. Now, it doesn't mean that you're not going to be hungry and it's not going to be difficult. But what I can tell you is that you start to get used to it. Uh, and your body gets used to it very quickly. Your mind gets used to it very quickly. But you have to have that discipline to start building those habits to allow you to get to that point. And that's the tough part, right? And I was uh, listening to um, uh, Dr. R uh, Rhonda Patrick. Uh, she's got a podcast about health and longevity and things like that. And she was talking about how hard it is for us as humans uh, to create these good habits and then we fall off of them and then it's okay. So you had used the example at the beginning of our podcast that I just listened to. Um, it was on muscle growth. Surprisingly, I know it's crazy that I'm listening to that. Um, but uh, she was explaining how, you know, you, let's just say you had these great healthy habits and then you, you know, tear a muscle or, you know, you're, you're incapacitated or something like that. And you're, you're not able to get your, your routines in. And then all of a sudden now you're not lifting and then you're not doing the things that, make you active. And then all of a sudden now you, that becomes your new habit and you don't go back out once you start to rehabilitate yourself. And then from there you start to deteriorate. And it's actually much harder for you to come back from that than it is not. So these habits that you build have to be something you stick with. It has to be something that you work on. It has to be something that you continuously improve on. And honestly, I can, I can honestly say after two years of doing this, that I do not have a food addiction anymore. Right. I, I you know, I, I, I don't think about food all the time. I don't think, hey, am I going to get enough in this portion size to fill me up? Uh, I used to always think that, I'm like, what on this meal is going to fill me up because this doesn't seem like enough portions. You know, what I look at is, hey, what are my calories today? Where am I at? Um, what do I need for my body? And can I get that in this meal? Or do I need to, you know, maybe grab, grab a salad and then, you know, supplement the protein shake because the meals or the menu is totally shit and I, you know, don't want to deal with the juicy burger that has, you know, 10,000 calories and everything else on it. So you, you have to, to think differently, and it takes some time. Like, I remember, you know, when I first started this program with you, Ben, you know, food was my biggest challenge by far because I was always thinking about food, especially when I was in a deficit. I'm like, I'm always hungry. I'm always thinking about food. I just want to eat. I want to eat all the time. Why can't I eat this? My body's like, hey, you're used to giving me 3,000 calories, 4,000 calories. Give me that again. But it does change over time, and I can tell you that, 
my addiction for food is gone. Like, and, and it's not to say that I don't enjoy food. I don't love food. I do. I had an awesome New York strip steak yesterday with a, with a buddy of mine. We went out to dinner, um, had some cocktails, had some, you know, uh, old fashions, Captain Sin, uh, one, of my, one of our drinks here. And, um, but, you know, I enjoyed that within my own confines of what I could do from the day. And, and I know what those are. I don't engorge myself. I don't sit there and just slam a bunch of food. Uh, you know, funny story about that. When I got home, uh, you know, you, you have a couple drinks and, you know, and you have a big meal. And afterwards, you're like, hey, I'm still kind of hungry. I want to eat something. I'm like, why am I going to eat something at 11 o'clock at night? That makes no sense whatsoever. I'm like, I'm just going to go to bed. We're good. And I went to bed, you know, and, and that's the, the mindset that starts to change when you start going through this. And you have to focus on that as a big concept and a framework around that will make you successful. Yeah, I think the food thing, it's, it's such a difficult one to overcome because it's something that people have dealt with, gone to, used, abused for their entire life. And to sort of overcome those behaviors and overcome, like this, to change someone's relationship with food is fucking hard because you imagine they maybe use food um, as an emotional crutch, whether it's positive or negative, you know, whenever you're younger, shit hits a fan, let's have a cake or celebration, let's have a cake, everybody's having cake for everything, no matter what the emotion is. So to, to come away from that and to come away from those sort of like how you relate different situations to different foods is tough. And it does take a lot of work and it is, it, you know, you definitely need to, to think about it, but it's, it is, it's work for your mind, but it is something that can definitely, definitely change. And even like, I'll, I'll relate this to, I think I've told you this before, about whenever I did my first shoot, my calories were real low. Like if you look through my phone, my, my photo album at that time in my life, it's like check-in photo, a burger that I want to eat, like screenshots of food, like French toast, like all these incredible looking foods, like 10 <laughs> photos, and then a check-in photo. And then like, I'd be on Instagram where I'd be like watching YouTube videos of people like eating food and this real fucked up, like, oh, I want this and can't have it. But it's, you know, relearning that. And I think if I sort of think about myself now and, and where my calories are at, yes, I had to be a little bit smarter about the way that I'm eating, but I don't have that, oh my God, I want to go and eat a burger yeah. or oh my God, whatever. Because it's like you said, yes, okay, it is you will struggle at the start with that feeling of hunger, but now I actually kind of like it. And I know that maybe sounds a bit fucked up. So I've been in this deficit for like what, three or four weeks or whatever. And if you had told me this time last year, yeah, you had told me this time last year, I'd, my calories would be at the cal at what they're at. I would have laughed at you, but if you're smart about it, if you know how to manage it, and if you have the tools and you have the mind to get yourself into that headspace, like I genuinely, do you kind of like the feeling of feeling hungry? And I think that that's something that maybe yeah. people don't don't get. Like, if you actually sit down and think to yourself, when was the last time I actually felt hungry? Like, the majority of the population probably don't really have that. They eat at, at breakfast time, at lunchtime, at dinner time, because they've done it their entire life. And I think that that's even one of the biggest sort of hurdles whenever you say to people to push, you know, if they're doing intermittent fasting or push back that, that first meal. Like, at breakfast time, you will be hungry because you've had breakfast at that time for your entire life. So yes, you are going to feel hunger, but you can't get, you can't get past it. Um, and obviously, you know, the feeling of, and again, to sort of relate back to the progress thing that we talked about last week, like the feeling of feeling hunger, but also seeing the metrics measurements change the way you are like that to me is the addictive part. And I'm like, oh, I mean, if I can do this on 1900 yeah. calories, maybe I could just eat 1800 calories. And then I'm like, mm, 1750 is not that bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
That's but awful. I know that it's just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's actually a funny story. It's like, no, you know, usually I'd be like this, you know, oh, this is affecting the way that I think. And this is, you know, I just can't fucking do anything. Like my mind's not clear. But at this time I was like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. And then I sent Daniel, I was checking him on me. He was like, I really appreciate the feedback, but I just want to let you know that you reviewed week 31 and not week 32 like you were supposed to. I was like, <laughs> I've done the whole, whole check-in on last week's, uh, on last week's sheet. But the point that I'll make on that, and I wanted to tweet this, but I didn't want it to come across offensive and I didn't really know how to write it without it being offensive. People will always say that they don't have the energy to do this whenever they're in a calorie deficit or whatever. Every pound of body fat that you have on your body is literally around 3,500 calories worth of energy. So you absolutely have the energy to do things. You just make them fucking excuses. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't pausing there because I was I wasn't paying attention. I was pausing there because you know think about that for a second. Thirty five hundred calories or so for per pound, right? That's a per lot pound. of calories. That's a lot of calories, which means that you know if you want to lose weight fast, you have to put yourself in such a caloric deficit, which you're going to be a total shit show from a you know you know agro perspective. Your body's not going to be happy and it's going to be dropping it. But also the point that um, we had made a couple podcasts or you had made a couple podcasts ago is that the um, the current calories that you're burning now are not the current calories. Let's just say if you did, if you dropped 20 pounds. Um, so, you know, if you drop 20 pounds, that's 20 less pounds that you have that you're working with. So think about every time you move. So if I'm walking, I'm carrying an extra 20 pounds, you're going to burn more calories. I mean, it's just how that works. So if you drop 20 pounds, that's 20 less pounds you're carrying. The amount of calories that you burn per day are probably going to be increased substantially there. Uh, sorry, decreased substantially uh, there. So, you know, you may have to adjust accordingly uh, based on your weight loss or weight gains. I know for me... So there's actually an, an interesting point. Yeah. I spoke twice, twice about this today to both Robert and Luke. Um, one thing that I did with Callum one time I was going through a fat loss phase is I matched pound for pound in weight on a backpack when I was losing weight. So my calories stayed the same. I was dropping weight, but I was... Carrying a pound pack with you? Ideally, ideally, you would do it like wearing a weighted vest and not with a fucking dumbbell in the backpack, but that's all I had. And it was in the middle of COVID and I couldn't get, you know, when you couldn't get any sort of equipment. So I, I matched that. So whenever I was doing my steps, I was still carrying around the same weight that I was before. But idea. my body weight was less. So there are ways to sort of, to match it that way. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's, it's just cool how these adjustments make a big deal. Like for me, my calorie intake um, is much higher. And right now we're in a surplus. So you know, we're trying to put as much weight on as possible uh, in, a, in a you know period of time or, or so. But, you know, I, I have to imagine when we go back down and I'm starting my cutting phase, my calories will still be at a much higher elevated state based on the amount of mass that I've put on uh, over time. And those will probably have to be sure adjusted. make sure we're always going in opposite. So right now I've got low calories, you've got high calories. And you're like, yeah, yeah I'm doing this. And, and then when you're in high calories, I'll be at low yeah, calories. Yeah. So we can, we can, you know, one of us is positive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, fuck, calorie shit. <laughs> the other thing as well, and I touched on this on the call on Wednesday night. And I know you weren't there, but I'll not give you a hard time about it. Um, I kind of got it, in a car accident. You know, that's, you know. That yeah. wasn't on Wednesday night. That was on Wednesday, a-hole. That was Wednesday oh, when I got in a car accident. Well, do you know what? You should have been on the call and then you wouldn't have got the car accident. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the, the thing when it comes to being in a deficit is understanding. Well, for me, it's about understanding what you guys uh, in terms of clients can tolerate, but for you as a person, what you can tolerate. And it, it just comes through trial and error. Like if you're the sort of person that can tolerate being like further in that deficit and calories being lower so that you can sort of get in and out of the phase quicker, 
then by all means do that. But if you feel like you're not that sort of person and you maybe don't have the willpower and you can go like two weeks and then you find yourself, you know, at the bottom of a bag of Doritos or whatever, then it's probably better to do it the other way. Um, but there's, there's so many different ways to do it. Like in one of the check-ins on Monday and Kevin's check-in, what we've basically decided to do is two weeks in a deficit, one week at maintenance, two weeks in a deficit, one week at maintenance. Over a period of time, he's going to be in a deficit, but he has that, okay, I'm only at this calorie goal for two weeks. Then my calories will go up to maintenance. Mm, interesting. Two weeks maintenance. There's so many different ways to do it. Yeah. And I think zooming out on that um, will definitely help people as well. Yeah, that, those uh, those cool hacks that you can do just to kind of like space things out or try things differently, you know, shock your body into different ways. I mean, uh, you had, you had, the way uh, we're going to do it for you when we go into your cutting phase is you're just going to have a 1,000 calories a day and that's it. Hey, all protein. I kind of want to try it, to be honest with you. I, I would I would try it. I'm going to see. Like, it, it's going to be fucking miserable, but I want to try it to be like, how lean can I actually get and, you know, try to keep quickly. How quickly, right? So, you know what's actually funny as well? Like, I know that I always complain about, you know, six-week physique and beach board and eight-week transformation and all that shit. The most recent one that I've seen is a 10-day transformation. People ten are selling days. it. At 10. I'm like, like what the uh. fuck? I'm like, what are they doing? What unrealistic expectations yeah. you set for people? Like, so you're gonna you're like, gonna you know, completely reverse you're gonna reverse ten years of you eating like total in crap days. and in ten days, right? That's yeah. gonna happen. So, uh-huh. I yeah. up for it. <laughs> <laughs> so basically what it's gonna be is is you gotta lift sixteen times a day, do cardio fifteen <laughs> times a day, you can't eat anything at all, just water crazy. and uh and ketones and uh yeah. that's it, you know. Yeah. So Absolutely uh, crazy, I tell you. I I I, I hope and, and it's actually interesting. Huberman brought up on the the podcast that the what's really interesting is that the science, scientific community is pretty much in line with like what's the science, what's the data, what's everything else. But then you start getting into like the the, the PTs, the fitness, the nutrition side of the house, and they're like all at war with each other all the time. And it, and it's no you know there's not a lot of consistency around. Hey, what does the actual science say? What does you know? actual long-term data studies on ways that you can be successful in these types of journeys say, you know, I'll tell you it, um, if you're, if you're overweight and you're obese, which obesity impacts such a large percentage here in the United States, especially, I mean, we're the worst in the world, you know, it's very difficult to make a sustainable model around weight loss and fitness across your life, right? It's, it's difficult to do. It's not easy to do. If any, it was so easy and these pills worked or these diets worked, everybody would be, you know, looking like, you know, I don't know, a supermodel, right? But it's, that's not how this works, right? And so, you know, you, you have to figure out something that works for you. And and the reason why we created this podcast, the reason why Ben does what he does is he's had a lot of success working with a lot of people because it's a sustainable framework. Now, there's other frameworks out there. You have Noom, for example, which focuses on intermittent fasting. You have uh, Weight Watchers, which, you know, can uh, basically is creating uh, caloric restrictions based off of point systems. Like those sometimes work for folks and, and sometimes they don't. But, you know, finding what works for you and then being able to use that sustainably for the rest of your life is what we're trying to accomplish here with the knowledge that we're dropping. Um, and I think, you know, if you look at uh, everything that we're talking about, it's just basics in and out, right? Calories in, calories out, you know, making sure you build muscles so that you burn more calories and you look better without your shirt off or, you know, with the bikini or whatever you want to be. So it, it's it's the simple things that make long resonating, you know, uh, pieces of impact in your entire uh, health and longevity and everything else that goes along with it. And you just feel better about yourself. And I just posted a tweet recently before we got on the podcast of, you know, I, I got this shirt and it's a, it's a large, I would never in my life wear a large shirt based on the size of weight I, I am because I, you know, it would, it would show all of my defects and how overweight I was and my gut and everything else. 
And I look awesome in this shirt, okay? I'm, I'm not, I mean, you know, I'm just saying, like, it, it's, it's showing my arms, it's showing my biceps, it's showing my definition. I feel great in this shirt, right? And I'm showing all the hard work that I've done off in my body because I can wear a shirt like this. Now, now most, most, most of the time, larges are too short. This is like a good, good feel, but it's also long enough because I'm tall and you're tall, obviously. Again, if, if you were short, Ben, we wouldn't be having a podcast together. I feel like together, I'm small. On the, I feel like I'm small here. I, can, I did that intentionally. I make sure that the the uh, the wind, you know, like it, it continues to. It's going to keep going. There's not like that this. many people watch this. Like your name is. It's not <laughs> worth it. I can just. <laughs> now you look like Big Ben. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's 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 those types of things that make a big difference, right? And I, I love that uh, we're able to to help out others and talk about this and like go through our experiences and what we see because. At the end of the day, like you get to see a lot of people that you train regularly that are going through similar struggles or different struggles and be able to provide those. And then hopefully those help, you know, in your real life. Good. Yeah, and it's the, you know, I'm, again, we've had this conversation before about the size of t-shirt thing. Like I want so badly to fit into a 2XL t-shirt. And I would say probably at this point, it'd be your worst nightmare to have to wear a 2XL t-shirt again. And it, even if I sort of think a bit deeper in terms of like me with that, like the reason that I started training originally was because I wanted to fit into my clothes. So like the shoulder fitting in, like actually being able to fit into a t-shirt that I actually, you know, I fitted the Builds shoulder up. was it where the yeah. shoulder is. And then I'm like, I think I probably started with like a small, and I'm like, right, how can I push to a 2XL? And even when I was talking earlier on, like wearing oversized stuff, like I'm so far gone from where I was whenever I first started that I was trying to fit into my clothes that now I'm like trying to make my clothes bigger to continue to fit into them. It's just <laughs> fucking weird. But yeah, in terms of that, like, yes, you do look great in that shirt, but and it's good. You know, I mean, that's what it's about. It's about feeling yeah. good and it's about feeling positive about your body. And, you know, if you can find a way to do that and continue to do that, then, you know, that's, that's up. Even, uh, Ke Cody posted a picture of him on the beach with his kids. Saw that. Just like, I was, yeah. I love it. Like, He's like, cool. I love this. Yeah. 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 It's just, it, like that, that to me, it's, and even Robert said in the, um, he said in a second, but he said in the, in the group chat earlier on about he was going for a, his yearly checkup or his annual checkup. And it turned into like a 15 minute sort of interrogation about what I've been doing or what I've been doing and how the improvements that he's seen just based on the way that we're doing things. And that for me yeah. is cool. That you feedback. know, I'm talking to yeah. people about bloods and blood pressure and like, you know, beyond just losing weight, it's. It's what makes the whole thing. And I think that's when it comes down to what we're doing here. It's it's actually hacking your health and it's not just like weight loss clinic. It's it's uh it's funny because like I had, actually hadn't taken my blood pressure in a few, in like two months. I, I totally escaped my mind. And it's normally like a routine I do once a week and I just kind of got out of it. I'm like, well, I wonder how my blood pressure is doing. So I went upstairs and took my blood pressure. It's like 123 over 70 in the green. Perfect. I'm like, okay, cool. We're good. Keep going. You know, like everything's great. It's just that, you know, your body is such a machine, you know, and having a weld oiled machine that allows you to do what you want to uh, help out. You know, like I went to my, my this weekend, I went and lifted uh, legs and uh, arms, which was horrible. Um, you know, just 10% legs, 60%, you know, unloading and loading weights. And then the next 30% or whatever is, is complaining to Ben. Um, but, uh, you know, after that, I went uh, and helped my dad build a uh, shed. Uh, you know, for his motorcycles or whatever, he's moving a gazebo and stuff like that in his backyard. So like, you know, and, and I'm sitting there just, you know, carrying all the heavy shit, putting it, you know, up. And that, that's what I love doing. Like, it's awesome that I can do that. And I'm healthy. Did you move the shelf for Aaron yet though? I did move the shelf I, I mean, <laughs> immediately. Like it was just a joke, uh, honestly. So long story short, uh, in my, <laughs> so my, my wife, Aaron, she had asked me 
She's like, hey, can you move this shelf from upstairs to downstairs so we can get rid of it? It was like an old shelf from Gavin's. And I said, well, you know, today was legs day. Is it possible for me to move it a different day? And she's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like, what day do you want to move it? I'm like, well, tomorrow's technically, um, you know, uh, chest and triceps, so I'll be sore then. Then I have back day. Then I have uh, another legs day. And then I have a rest day, which I'm not technically supposed to do anything. So I'm like, if I'm looking at my schedule, it's going to have to be probably like a month and a half from now because that's when I have my deload week and I can actually do it. And she just looked at me like, you're a freaking idiot. Like, you know, like, seriously, like, why do you even lift? Why do you even have these muscles? Like, you can't move a damn shelf. This is, what you're here. This, this, here is, this is literally the only purpose I ever ask you to do is take the kids and move shit. Like, and you can't do this. So, um, obviously, I moved it right there and then. It was a joke. But uh, but she didn't she did not find it funny. But, uh, <laughs> but you find it funny and I find I it funny. I thought it was so funny. Like, I thought it was yeah, funny. So, yeah. it was good. But, uh no, and, and um, two two last things I wanted to hit on uh, before we 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 bounce axes will be a couple couple minute discussion. Uh, number one is I'm actually looking at possibly doing spray tanning, so I wanted your advice on that. Um, and so uh, my first I can time actually ever... give you really good really good advice on this. Yeah, so like I mean, like how many coats should I get? Like what do I even do here? Because because listen, I'll, I'll be honest with everybody on the, on the podcast. I have tried regular tanning; it goes horribly wrong. I've tried self tanning in the tanning booths. That also goes horribly wrong. So this is my last ditch. And I've tried um, putting my own tanning stuff on, which goes horribly wrong. So there's, an, there's a historical issue of tanning here with me. Um, and, and obviously, you look better with the tan, essentially, it's the muscles, all that good stuff. So I'm actually going to try spray tan here uh, soon. And I was just curious, like, how, like what, what, I mean, one, I'm assuming I have to wear, like, tidy-whitey type stuff. Like, that is, like, you know, so you can... They, they would get, well, I mean... Yes, do that. I was going to say they'll give you like a pair of paper pants, but you don't want to wear them. Yes, bring okay. like tidy whitey stuff. Um, you need to prep yourself for it, and this is going to sound ridiculous. You have to and prep friendly. yourself. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah. So what you'll need to do is get a really good exfoliator. Okay. So, so get rid I'm, of I'm all googling the exfoliator right now. Okay. <laughs> so what you need to do is like get rid of get rid of like, <laughs> and I having this conversation. Is it a glove? <laughs> Yes, a glove and then a product. What you need to do is okay. get rid of all the dead skin. So like on your elbows and on your knees and stuff like that, because that'll stop it from going like, you know, like real cracks. So you want to have like real nice smooth skin. So that's the okay. first thing. It's the most important one. Really? Um, the, yeah, yeah, trust me. The other thing, obviously hair loss. So whatever way you're going to take that off, shave it, feet, wax, whatever you need to do. Um. The other thing is how many coats depends on how dark you want to go. The last time I got one, I got like, I think seven or eight coats and I was, I, I, I changed the color. Like I was a different color, but I was obviously <laughs> doing it for a photo shoot specifically. Right. So I needed to be, so I would say, ask them. Yeah. What will look kind of normal. Ask I don't want to be like ridiculous here. No, no, please do right. not. And actually one pro tip, and this is for everybody. If you get spray tans, the last time I did it, and this is maybe going a bit too far, but it definitely helped. If you put clear nail polish on your nails okay, and then remove it after you spray tan, it means you won't have all that fucked up weird coloring within your nails. Because I did that on my oh. last shoot and it, it made your nails stay the same color because it will absorb into your nails and you do not want that because you'll have funny colored nails. Interesting. So, so, so hair loss, exfoliator, clear nail polish. So I'm, I'm, you know I'm guessing... I get, like, these are all genuine truths, but I could literally tell you anything and you'd be like, okay, I'm going to go do that. So, so I'm 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 googling clear nail polish as well right now. So uh, I think we're going to be good there. Uh, this yeah, is I was thinking, uh, your daughter to put it on. <laughs> 
sounds good. <laughs> but yes, generally yeah. the exfoliator is the main one. Like really, I would do a couple of days before start doing that because if you get rid of all the dry skin and stuff, it'll, uh, I want to say set. I don't know if that's the right term, but it'll absorb a lot better and more even. So you imagine you're getting sprayed like this, right? Yeah. And you're like this. And then if you go to bend your elbow, all the cracks that want to be filled in, it'll be all right. cracky in your elbow. Oh, you know yeah, I mean? yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so you want it to be a smooth later, clear nail polish. Got it. All right. I'm, I'm in. I'm going to give it a shot. All right. So on another topic, uh, the second thing I wanted to bring up before we left is uh, the last thing that I thought was really interesting on uh, the Human Podcast was um, around, and we've talked about this uh, to some extent, but we haven't actually gone into some of the latest research, which I thought was really kind of mind blowing to me. And it makes a lot of sense is that we are tribal creatures, right? And that's how we have evolved. Uh, we, we aren't the strongest creatures in nature. Uh, we have tigers and bears and things that are much more faster and stronger than us in every capacity. So how do we become the dominant species? Well, obviously we can think we are, are aware of, of everything. Um, and, and, uh, so that's, that's one piece, but our ability to band together in tribes and to forge and hunt, you know, potentially superior animals to us from a, uh, you know, strength and, and speed perspective is one of the things that made us successful by being in tribes. So we have evolved through tribes, evolved through groups that allow us to force for food, to, you know, make clothes, to provide shelter and, and defense, uh, you know, at night. So these things have, have evolved us over the years. And what was interesting is that there was a recent study and, and I'll have to get the, get it in the show notes for the, the study that was there. But if you look at uh, the human labs podcast, episode 10, um, they go through this a bit, uh, quite a bit, but there was, there is um, actually these these hormones, these peptides that are released in our body called TAC2. And um, what, what they found is that these TAC2 peptides uh, are triggered severely and elevated when we are not socially around other people. So what that means is that if we're isolated, we're not uh, with other people, these TAC2 peptides uh, shoot up and have been directly correlated to uh, depression, um, you know, anger, uh, and, and a whole bunch of other human behaviors that are not good for us, right? So, um, so what's interesting about that study is that when we are with humans uh, and we are socially interactive with other humans, especially humans within our tribe and everything else, those TAC2 levels go substantially down. And so uh, what that is obviously saying is that, you know, if we are uh, so we're social creatures, if we're not around other human beings and we're not socially active, we are much more susceptible to depression, anger, uh, and a lot of other things that are out there, whereas... If we're with humans and we are social, uh, we uh, are happier. Our moods are, are increased. We have dopamine that, that gets released that is, is a positive enforcement in our body's natural dopamine production. So there are many benefits to being social, to going out. And I'm not saying that for folks that have social anxiety and medical disorders and other things, there aren't uh, hurdles there. But largely the human uh, species uh, needs social interaction for us to be happy, for us to be accepted for us to feel like we're contributing to tribes. Um, so my, you know, uh, challenge to you out there today is, you know, think about that. Um, and think about, uh, you know, are you being social? And, and by the way, social media doesn't count. That does not trigger, uh, dopamine inhibiting, uh, uh response responses in a positive manner. There are some dopamine triggers there from, you know, quick responses, likes, getting immediate feedback, those types of things, but it's not, um, a recipe for, uh, substituting human interaction. But think about that, you know, go out and see a friend of yours, go out and see a loved one, get that social interaction. And I'd be curious to see, you know, how you feel from a positivity perspective, if you're feeling down, you know, that day or the day after. I find that when I'm working with people, and it's a good thing, uh, you know, to, to talk about in the COVID situation, 
you know, I didn't realize how much I miss people. So I'm more, I'm in the office more because I enjoy seeing people. I like interacting with people that I like working with my tribe. Right. Um, and so it has a huge impact on your health. And I'm just curious to see, like, and I'm not saying, you know, the COVID restrictions, whatever shouldn't happen. You know, obviously we were going through a pandemic and all this other stuff. Um, but I'm curious to see the long-term effects that that type of isolation of humans had because we are tribal creatures. And I wonder how bad off our next generation of kids are going to be because of that. So hopefully it's just short-term and we're back into society. We're working together. We're talking together. We're, you know, becoming more socially interactive. Um, but it's interesting to see those, those studies where the tattoo levels of peptides increase, creating, you know, direct correlation, depression, uh, anger, everything else that's out there. That's, that's a interesting piece that I didn't know. Yeah, about. for sure. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, I know it's not necessarily actually being social whenever we have calls like this or whatever, because obviously it's still virtual or whatever, but even I find recently since adding in the, the monthly one-to-one -one checking calls with everybody, been able to catch up and actually have a conversation with people. And actually just like, you know, some calls I don't even, you know, we'll spend five minutes talking about the check-in and whatever else. And it's just fucking catching up with, with what's going on in life. And like, I felt so much better being able to do that because generally whenever I'm doing a check-in, as you know, screen recording on my computer, I'm talking at you technically, but you're not there. And then you're just listening to me talking at you and the other side of it. And um, so being able to have those calls and actually be able to catch up with people and, I always say I'm not really a people person, but I am for my people. So like you guys, whatever, you know, being able to have those calls and even the, even the calls on Wednesday night, like things that I really look forward to. Okay. It's not actually, I'm physically there with you, but it is in, in essence, a social situation and it's something that I'm very grateful for to be able to, to bring together. It's something that I often find that it's difficult whenever I'm talking to somebody on a, an initial call or whatever, I'm like, Okay, this is what I do in terms of training, nutrition, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I also have this group that I can't really say that I did, but they're there and they really benefit everybody who's being there. And it is that social side. And even, you know, what we're planning for September, like, although it's a pain in the ass making decision for a big group of people, I'm looking forward to getting everybody together. Awesome. Because, yeah. yeah, because again, it's, it's people who speak in the chat every day. It's people who potentially never have met each other, people who have met each other the last time. I'm just getting everybody together to hang out, train, eat food, not drink Irish car bombs. They are officially banned. That's definitely going to happen, but okay. Go ahead. <laughs> but then do all that shit, like we're going to go to the arcade and we're going to play top golf and stuff like that. Like, it's just going to be hanging out. And I think that, that that is going to be cool. So yes, in terms of that, like I'll get a lot from that in terms of the social side. And I hope that I can give a lot back in, in that sort of same, same way. Yeah. And, and that those social interactions with people that have the same type of interest that share the same type of hobbies, that share the same type of things as you, that's your tribe, right? And we're talking about tribes. Tribes aren't, you know, we're outside foraging food and things like that. It's, you know, your mom, your dad, your, your spouse, your significant other, your partner, your kids, um, you know, friends that you see at a baseball game, uh, they have shared interests in your kids' success. Uh, you know, anything that, that contributes to uh, your normal day of life and what your interests are, um, are, are your tribe. And, and we can have many tribes. Uh, and that's the thing. Um, and I think, you know, when you look at like, you have close friends, that's obviously going to be more of your inner circle tribe or close family members can be inner circle tribe, but there are other tribes that you can be a part of that have the sh share the same interests, uh, with everything. And I think, you know, that's an important piece of your day-to-day -day life that you should work on as part of your overall health and fitness. And, you know, if you're interested in, in more information around, around this, um, there's a good, paper through Caltech, um, caltech.edu. So if you look up just Caltech and uh, social isolation, 
Uh, I just want to read the first paragraph here. It was It was, social isolation has debilitating effects on mental health in mammals. For example, it is often associated with depression and post-traumatic stress disorders in humans. Now a team of Caltech researchers have discovered that social isolation causes the buildup of a particular chemical in the brain, which is TAC2, um, and blocking this chemical eliminates the negative effects of isolation. The work has potential applications for treating mental health disorders in humans. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of research being done um, on this neuropeptide TAC2 and how it controls different brain states. And I think it's um, just interesting how, you know, we're actually seeing some of the science behind this and saying, hey, it actually backs how we're feeling and this is how we're feeling. This is why we're feeling certain ways uh, in ways that maybe we can combat that. So if you're feeling depressed, you're feeling, you know, not great, you're having a bad day, go hang out with some friends, you know, go grab some beers or if, you know, if you're, not, you're not drinking, go grab a lunch with somebody that, that you know, is part of your tribe. Uh, that will in, in immediately increase your dopamine levels, increase your level of activity, allow you to be happier. And those resonating effects uh, aren't going to just last for a couple hours. They can last for several days, weeks, if not longer. Social isolation is, is a horrible thing for us. Yeah, and I think, you know, exactly what you're saying, especially if you're working from home because you don't have yeah. that social interaction, you're not going to the office. And, you know, even if you start to think of that on a deeper level, like you can literally sit here in your pajamas all day and do work. Like, so you have no like drive to get ready. You have no drive to like, oh, I'm going to actually get dressed and feel good or look good or whatever it might be. So something that is well, number one outside work, but also something that can sort of get you to that state where you're actually going to socialize and be around people. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think we covered a lot on this podcast. Uh, I thought it was a good one. Yeah, I was really excited I about this. At this point, I have no idea what I'm going to have the title. <laughs> that... What are we going to call this podcast? One, I'm not sure. One specific thing that we talked about, but we talked or... about a lot of different topics. But I think those were all important things to kind of go through because there's. I mean, again, we're all learning here, and this is a shared experience with everybody. So hopefully, you know, as we're learning, you're learning, and vice versa. And if there's things that you want to share, you know, hit us up. Uh, it's all just you know trying to figure out the best way we can communicate all this to you in ways that we can improve ourselves, right? It's improving ourselves every day and making ourselves better, which makes this an awesome place. Yeah, for sure. Well, hey, thank you all very much for, for hopping on the podcast. Uh, definitely check us out on wehack.health. Uh, we hack health. I updated the swag store for anybody who's interested. Ooh, There's new merch new available. New swag, new merch. That's awesome. And uh, please, 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 if you can, share this with family and friends that you think would be uh, you know, finding this beneficial, the more folks we get, uh, the cooler things we could do with like getting uh, different podcast folks on people that are, you know, like doctors and PhDs. Um, you know, we want to get more folks coming into this and more guests and stuff like that. So uh, please share us uh, and hopefully we'll continue to uh, grow this podcast and make it as awesome as we can. So thank you all very much. Yeah, thank you. Catch you next week. Later.